So as the kids are, are, are filing out today, I want to talk to you today about a casual Christian. And if you're here Wednesday night, you got a little bit of this message. But the casual Christian believes in God. They maybe even go to church, right? They, but they live one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Or one foot on their beliefs, right? So they, so they, they want the pleasures of the world, but they don't want to go to hell, right? And, and we call them pleasures of the world, but they're really, they're really, uh, they're really destructible forces, right? The pleasures that we, we think are, pre- are, are pleasures are really destructible forces. But we want those things, but we don't want to go to hell. If you're sitting in the church today just because you don't want to go to hell, church, I'm not sure that's going to get you there. I'm not sure that's going to get you to heaven. If that's the only reason you're here is because you don't want to go to hell, that's not, that's not the reason we're supposed to be here for, right? So th- those destructive pleasures, they lure you away. The pressure to, to back up off of your convictions. When the Spirit or the Word tells you that something's wrong, something is a sin, you're not supposed to be doing something, those things of the world will try to lure you out there in that again. Those same old friends will try to lure you out there in that again, right? And I was going to bring my fishing lure up here, but I've showed most of you before. I have my favorite fishing lure. It looks like a little minnow. It's, it's called a shadrap shallow runner. It floats on top of the water, and it has a little spoon that goes down. And when you reel the thing up, It'll, it'll wiggle like a fish and go around the water a little ways and then when you, let, when you stop reeling it comes back up again. Right? I'm talking about alluring. It looks good and an impulse. You see this thing as an impulse. The fish sees it and he sees the fish there and he wants to run up and grab it and eat it. But there's two big treble hooks hanging out of the back of it. And that's just like sin is. There's two big treble hooks hanging out of the back of it. It's a, it's a destructive force. If the fish bites on that lure then you can crank him in and you can get him in the boat. Are you following me? Just like the enemy is trying to do this. He's trying to reel us in. He's trying to take us away from God, right? Trying to, trying to take us away from our, our beliefs. Trying to get us to, to come just a little bit off center. So 1 Timothy 4 and 1 says this. Now the Spirit expressly says, In the latter times, some will depart from the faith. Who says this? The Spirit of God, right? The Spirit of God expressly says, In the latter times, some will depart from the faith. You're going to depart from your faith. Some of you are going to come out of there. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if all you hear is the things that we say here in the church, you're not going to depart, right? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing, right? We'll depart from the faith, giving heed to destructive or to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Hang on right there one second, sis. So I want to give you a definition. That word heed right there in the Greek means give attention to or apply oneself to. Right? So if you're, if you're giving attention to doctrines of devils, if you're giving attention to things outside the church, if you're, if you're, if you're providing yourself to those things, right? if you're applying yourself to those things, then you can be seduced by those things. Does that make sense to you? Deceiving, this word deceiving right here means, in the King James uses the word seducing, but in the Greek both the words mean the same thing, an imposter or misleader, corrupter, deceiver, leading into error, an imposter. You see, Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, right? But the devil comes like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's an imposter. He takes what he can't even make up his own story. He takes God's word and he wants to twist it and to pervert it just a little bit. Amen. You see, every lie has some truth in it. Yeah. He wants to twist it and pervert it just a little bit that it seems good. It seems like it would be right. Yeah? yeah. And some of us are looking for something outside of the word anyway, because we want to take the word, we want, we want, we want the word to fit us. Yeah. We want things to fit us instead of us complying to the word. Are you following me? So this deceiver, this, this thing right here, so let's read the scripture again on that. 
Now the Spirit, now the Holy Ghost, expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. Where's the latter times? We're living in the latter times right now, right? Some people are departing from the faith right now. They're giving their faith up right now because they're listening to deceiving spirits. They're listening to the doctrines of devils, it says right here. Doctrines of demons, doctrines of devils. Who made these doctrines up? Was it God? Was it the Spirit? No, it's foul spirits. Anything outside of this book right here, any doctrine you read outside this book, anything anyone tells you that's outside this book or doesn't agree with this book is a doctrine of the devil. True story. True story. And if you don't listen to them, it'll sneak up on you and it'll get a hold of you. And you'll start believing some of that. You'll get a little bit of that down into you. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hearing by the word of God, faith comes by that. It doesn't. It, it's not always by the word of God, though. We can get that. We can get that hearing anyway, right? So James 1, 12 through fifteen. And I didn't give you time to look that one up, but I'm gonna give you time to look this one up. James one, twelve through fifteen. Go there in your Bible. I want you to see it for yourself in your own Bible. <clears throat> Are we there yet? Amen. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. What's he doing here? Blessed. God wants to bless you. But you have to endure the temptation. You have to go through the temptation without being changed toward the temptation. You have to go through the temptation and keep God's word as the center in your life. Blessed is that man who endures temptation. For when he for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Come on, sis. <coughs> Thirteen. <clears throat> Let no one say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted, nor be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one, I want you to catch this right here, but each one, when, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by whose desires? His own desires and enticed. Enticed, come on, says 15, then when the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Hold on right there one second. So, I want to give you a definition first. Your own lust. This is your lust that you're, that you're tempted by. The things that you want to do. The things that you, your flesh would like to put above the Word of God. Would like to put above the standard of God. I've heard the standard of God, preacher, and I don't really like that one. I don't really like what it says that I have to do and the things I have to, how I have to live. I don't really like that. So I'd like to take what I want to do and I'd like to put it above the Word of God. That's what we're doing, right? That's what we're doing, right? So I want to take my own lust, right? And, and the Greek for that word right there, lust, means desire, craving, longing, desire for what is, for, desire for what is forbidden, or lust. We desire, our flesh desires for what is forbidden. That's why we have to train our spirit to be more powerful than our flesh. Because our, our flesh desires what is forbidden. You fill in the blank. We all struggle with things. I don't care who you are or how long you've been sitting in the church. If you'd be honest, we all struggle with things. Yours are different than mine. And, and, and mine are different than the, one sitting, than the person sitting next to you. But we all struggle with different things, right? This word here, conceived, in verse 15, when, when that lust... Or, when the desire has conceived, that lust conceives, conceived means, in the Greek, means to seize, to take one as a prisoner. When we dwell on that thing long enough, it'll get a hold of you. Yeah. It'll, 
grab a hold of you. And then it's hard to get away from it, right? It'll take you as a prisoner, the Bible says. It gives birth to sin. And when it has conceived, when it, when, so, so when your lust gets a hold of you, it gives birth to sin. And sin, sin, the definition of sin in the Greek means to be without a share in. What did God promise you in the verse before this? The crown of life, right? If you, if, you give into that, if you give into that lust and let it get a hold of you and it turns into sin, you're without a share in that crown. You follow me? If you read the fruits of the flesh in the Bible, what does it say? Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It says you will not inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible gives a clear definition of sin. For him who knows to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. What's sin for me may not be sin for you. My convictions may be different than your convictions. There are some things that are written in plain English right here in the Word. Are you following me? We all have to live by those, but when the Spirit comes to you and says, Hey, you can't talk like that. Hey, you can't go over there. Hey, you can't hang out with that person anymore. What you just said, that wasn't right for you to say, because you're a pastor now. You, you get what I'm saying? When you, when you know better than do that thing, but you continue down that path, you have no part in the kingdom of God. You're without a share here. That's the definition of the word, sin. To be without a share in. To miss the mark. To violate God's law. So we knowingly violate God's law, we're without a share in heaven. And that brings me to my last point here. And when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. The definition of death right there is the death of a body, that separation. So it's the separation. When our body dies, our body goes to the dirt. Our spirit comes out of it. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, it said he gave up the ghost. Body goes to the dirt. Spirit goes to God. Soul goes to where we prepared it to go to. Right? So it's the separation of that spirit and soul from that body forever. But this death that the sins produce is a separation from God forever. In the end, if you allow this sin to, if you allow this sin to fester in your life and you never repent of it with God, what's it say? You have no part. You have no share in it. Church, this is a serious matter. It's a serious matter, right? That's why it's so important who you hang out with. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. I told Kyler the other day, she's in, she's in the sixth grade and she's trying to make new friends and, and she's got this one coming and this one coming and, and, and they're her friend. And I said, are they Christians? Well, I don't know that, Dad. Well, you need to know that first. You should sit back and watch these people. See how they act. Are they backbiting other people? Are they, are they not only do they go to church, but do they live as a Christian? Because, let me tell you what, your friends are either going to do the things that you do as a Christian, or they're going to try to pull you away from it. They are. This is the advice I gave my sixth grade. I'll give you the same advice. Be careful who you hang out with. Be careful where you go. Be careful what you do, kind of activities you, you, you partake in. Movies. People think movies are no big deal. They are. They are. Music. Powerful. All these things are very, very powerful things because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're listening to the wrong music and that's what you put into yourself all day long. Right? If you're going to the wrong kind of movies. Me and my wife are almost three times the age that we could go to a rated R movie. But we don't. Because out of the buzz of the heart, the mouth speaks. Are you following me? And God holds me to a higher standard. He holds you to a higher standard. When you learn something, when you sit here and you, and you sit under the word and we're preaching the word and you learn those words, now you're responsible for those words. Yeah. Now you have to live up to those words. 
Can you imagine if I was listening to that kind of music or watching those kind of movies and, and I'm putting these things into myself and putting these things into myself? It took me a year to stop cussing when I came to God, to stop all the way. I tried and I tried, but a year into it, a foul word came out of my mouth. I thought, where did that come from? Because you put in yourself and you put in, and I put that into myself for years and years before, before I had a relationship with God. Can you imagine if I got back up here now and an F-bomb fell out of my mouth? Because I've been surrounding myself with that and putting it into myself and putting it into myself. You don't say those words accidentally. You say those things because that's what you're feeding on. That's what you're putting into yourself. Are you following me? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible says, in, I'm not going to turn there today. You can look it up for yourself. In 2 Corinthians 6, 17, says, Come out from among them and be ye separate, right? You have to come out. You have to come out, church. God's not going to get you and drag you out. He's a gentleman. He gives you word. He gives you his word for correction. He gives you his word to be the truth, to be the center of your life. Are you following me? He gives you his word for these things. He's not going to come get you and drag you out. You've got to make that decision. I'm going to come out of that place. I'm not going to live like hell anymore. I'm not, I want my place in the, in the kingdom of God. I want my part in that thing. So I'm going to allow the word to be the discerner of my life. If you allow the word to be the discerner of your life, your life will change. When you come up against God's word, you've got one thing to do. You've got, to, you've got a couple choices. You can try to ignore it and keep living the way you're living, which is the casual Christian. You can not like it and you can head out the back door. Or you can take it and apply it to your life and your life will change. That's where we want to be at. We want our life to change. We want to look more like what he wants us to be, right? So we combat sin with the word, right? Because the word will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the word. The word will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the word. John 17, 17. Let's turn there today. John 17, 17. I'm going to be in 2 Timothy 3 right after this. John 17, 17 says, this is Jesus praying to God. So he asked God, sanctify them by your truth. Whose truth? God's truth, right? He's asking God to sanctify the people, sanctify the church by God's truth. And then read on the next sentence. Your word is truth. God's word is the truth. And God, Jesus is asking God, use your word, or use your word, I mean to say, to sanctify these people. What's the Bible say about us? It says we're being perfected, right? For him to endure to the end, the same shall be saved, right? We're being perfected. So we're being perfected by what? The Word. The Word. We're being perfected by the truth. The Word. The Word is the truth. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. <clears throat> Did I give you that one, Amanda? No. Okay. Well, I got it. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. You see that word right there? Where did the scripture come from? Where did the scripture come from? God, right? What is scripture? Your whole Bible. You can't take pieces out. You can't do that. You can't add to it. In fact, at the end of the book, it says what? It says anyone who adds to or takes away from the sayings of this book, the plagues of this book will be added unto them. So we can't add to or take away from the book. So it's all inspired by God and it's given for what? It's given by inspiration of God and it's profitable. Profitable. Think about that word right there, profitable. What's that mean to you? If something's profitable, you're going to gain from it, right? 
You're going to be blessed from it. You're going to grow from it. Peace, joy, hope, victory, healings, authority. All these things are profitable for doctrine, for the reproof, for reproof and correction, for instruction in righteousness. Instruction in righteousness. This is how he changes our life. It's through the word, church. It's through the word, but we've got to do something with it. If we don't do something with it, it's just ink on page. It's just ink and paper. It's, it's, it's nothing to us. You know, when I first came to God, I didn't realize how much power was in this book. We see all these movies about different things and things and how much I did before I came to God, how much power is in magical things and all this, but this book is real. Yeah. And it's true. Amen. And this stuff in here works. And there's so much power in this book, you'd be amazed by it if you get into it and read it. So it's good, it's good for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. For every good work, right? So the word will bring us to a place of decision. That's what it's for. It's to correct us, to make us, to make us right, to make us upright, to make our lives line up with his word, right? So if we come to a place of decision, what well, I talked about a while ago, you can decide, I can hear it and pretend I didn't. I can hear it and I can raise my things above it, my, my standards above God's word. I can try to do that. I can hear it and I can leave altogether. I can fall out or I can conform to the God's word. Let's look at Adam and Eve real quick. I'm not going to turn there today, but you all know the story. Adam and Eve lived in the garden. They knew God's word. What happened? The enemy came against them and said, Did God really say that to you? God really told you you couldn't eat of that tree. And she said, Oh, yeah. We can eat. God's, she quoted God's word to him. God said we can eat of any tree of the, uh, of the garden except for this tree of knowledge. That one there you can't eat of. And he said, Well, is that right? And he came at her again. And he took that word of God and he twisted it. Well, God just doesn't want you to be like him. The same reason he fell out of heaven. Trying to rise himself up to God. Right? God just doesn't want you to be this way. Right? So Adam and Eve were forced to make a decision. They knew the word. The word's supposed to be the standard. The word is the truth. Let me ask you this, church. Y'all getting real quiet now. But if the word is the truth, doesn't that make everything else a lie? So why would we try to rise our standards or anyone else's standards or anything else that we hear above the standard of God when God's standard, God's word is the truth. It is the standard. Everything else is below that. So if we get it above that, we've got it backwards. We've got it all wrong. I did this when I lived in the world. It didn't go so well for me. Some of you will have some experience with it too. Right? So Adam and Eve did this and then Adam and Eve experienced death just like what the scripture showed I showed you a while ago. Right? When sin is full grown, it produces death, a separation, right? So think about this. They were separated from God. God used to come and walk in the garden with Adam even the cool evening. No more. Sin produced death, a separation from God. Separation from the garden. They got kicked out of their home. Separated them from their authority. Yeah? And then separated them from their physical life. Adam and Eve weren't supposed to die. There was a tree of life in that garden that they could eat from. They could have still been living there in that garden, eating from the tree of life. Are you following me? Been young. All these thousands of years later, they would have still been young and spry. But it separated them from their life. It separated them from everything. Ephesians 4.11 says that Jesus gave us a five-fold ministry. You all know, you all know the scripture. I'm not going to turn it today. I'm, I'm already on overtime right now. How do you like that? I like it. <laughs> Well, you know, you're quiet on me. Now, the Chiefs don't play till 7-something, right? 
And I got to tell you that I still, I'm only halfway through my notes. And I need to warn you that I'm a participatory preacher. So if I get some amens and hallelujah and a little head nodding, I can get you out of here a little bit faster. Right? But if not, we're just going to go ahead and, and, and preach. Okay? I knew some people get quiet there. I knew, I knew people would get quiet in this thing because it hit me where I'm at. Are you following me? We all mess up from time to time. Jesus gave us pastors, though. He gave us the five-fold ministry, but a pastor is the part I'm picking out about this today, to equip us and to build up the church. Did he not? How is the pastor to build up the church? Think about this. What did he say to Peter? What did Jesus say to Peter? He said, if you love me, feed my sheep. You are the sheep, right? Pastor is the shepherd. Feed the sheep. Feed the sheep the word. That's what you've got to continue to give them. Feed them the word. Let's look at what Paul said to Timothy, a young pastor. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4. <clears throat> I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That sounds serious already right there, doesn't it? How would you feel if Paul came at you and said, I charge you, therefore, today before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what, I'd be paying attention if Paul was saying this to me. Were you? I mean, think about that. Who will judge the living and the dead? His appear and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. And two says this: preach the word. Explanation point. He's excited. Preach the word. That's what he's telling this pastor to give the sheep. That's what you can feed the sheep is the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort. See those words right there. Same thing that the word's good for, said the other scripture we just read. In, in 2 Timothy 3.16, for the same reasons, with all long-suffering, be patient and teaching. Come on, sis. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Doesn't that sound like the other scripture we read earlier? In the last days. Some people are going to follow doctrines of devils. They're not going to hear what you've got to say anymore. They're going to have itching ears. Right? They will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. Whose desires? These scriptures go hand in hand, don't they? Their own desires, because they have itching ears, they want to rise their standard above God's standard. They will heap up for themselves teachers. Heap for themselves up teachers. <clears throat> Notice that didn't say pastors, right? They want teachers. They want motivational speakers. They want people who aren't going to step on their toes. They want people who are going to tell them whatever you're doing, that's okay. It'll be all right as long as you put your check in that plate. It'll be just fine. Are you following me? That's, that's what they're wanting today. And they will turn their ears away from the truth. What is the truth? The truth is the word. And the word is for what? The word is for what? The truth is to correct us, right? It's to change us. It's to perfect us and be turned aside to fables. This word fables here means the same as a fairy tale. Turned aside into a fairy tale. Right? So the pastors... Oh, I need to read you one more scripture. James 1 and 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. You deceive your own self when you go after your desires instead of God's desires. Are you following me? So the sheep's responsibility is to what? Do the word. Do the word. The pastor's responsibility is to what? Feed the word. Teach the word. Give the word. Preach the word. Break down the word for you. Grind it up if you're a little baby and feed it to you in a bottle. 
Some church, there comes a time that when we got to get off the bottom, we got to get on the meat. Church, we need to get in the Word for ourselves. We need to study it for ourselves. Break it down for ourselves. Be examples for people around us who are younger spiritually. Be examples for our family. Live it in front of our family. How do you expect the church is going to get saved if we're living as a casual, and our family is going to get saved if we're living as a, as a casual Christian? How is that possibly going to work out? They don't want any of what you got because you got the same thing they got. You haven't came out from among the world and been separate yet. Are you following? So the, the, the pastor has a responsibility to feed the word. The sheep have a responsibility to do the word. You can come into the church for the next hundred years and hear the word and don't do anything about it and you're deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself. You've got no place in heaven. You've got no place in the kingdom of God. If you don't do the word, you have to take the word to apply it to your life. Your life should look different day by day by day by week by year. You should be changing all the time. And I don't care how old you are spiritually, you should still be changing. If it's been a while since you've changed last, you need to get to the altar. You need to find out what's wrong and get it corrected. Because none of us are perfect. We're being perfected. Right? So faith without works is dead. I was hoping Greg would be here today. I was really hoping Greg would be here today. Faith without works is dead, right? It's dead. The works is not enough, though. Right? God requires change. He requires change. Paul said, show me your faith, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Right? There has to be change. In Deuteronomy, I'm just going to quote, I'm just going to go through this real quick for you. Deuteronomy 28, 9 through 13, you can read it later if you want to. But God says, if you keep my commandments, I'll establish you as my holy people. Right? All people will be afraid of you. No one will be able to stand in front of you the rest of your life. You'll have plenty of goods. You'll have plenty of fruit of the body. That means you'll have children, right? You'll have, you'll have increase in your livestock and in your produce if you keep, keep my commandments. You'll have land. There'll be rain upon your land. The land will be plentiful, he's saying here. He'll bless all the work of your hands, right? You'll lend to many, but borrow from no one, right? You'll be the head and not the tail. You'll be above and not beneath. God wants to bless you, church. God wants to bless us. But he says, if you, if you heed my commands. Remember that word heed, what we're going to give the definition for? Heed means to give attention to. To apply, oneself, to apply to oneself. We've got to take what his commands are and apply it to me. Blessing follows obedience. Blessing follows obedience. See, we want to get mad at God because he ain't done nothing about it yet. But have you been obedient? Have you been obedient to God's commands? You can't expect to have full-time benefits when you're a part-time employee. Think about it. We just come to church every once in a while. You dabble in it, and then you fall back out here and you do this. You hang out with the wrong people. You're doing the wrong things, right? You're gossiping. Whatever the case may be, you get it. If you're a part-time employee, don't expect full-time benefits. This doesn't just apply to the people who drink and, and do drugs and live in the world and, and the people in the church, the ones the people in the church, they, they like to talk about sometimes. Things like that, right? But it also applies to those. It applies to the ones who are gossiping. Come on, give me a good amen right there. Amen. It applies to the ones who are judging. Yeah. It applies to the ones who are causing division. Yeah. You see, if you're applying God's word to your life, you wouldn't be able to stand to do any of those things. Right? right? Be careful to judge people. 
especially if you've never been where that person's at. You can't relate to them. Don't even try. Don't even try. You can come along beside them and love them and say, I don't get it, I don't understand, but I feel for you. You can say that, but be very careful not to judge them. The same measure you're judging, that same measure is going to be judged back to you. What church could you go to anyway? Now think about this. What church could you go to anyway where everybody in there is perfect? Think about it. If you're judging people in the body of Christ, you're judging the body of Christ. And where do you think that you can go where everybody's perfect? Nobody's perfect, right? None of us are perfect. We're being perfected, right? So maybe we don't want them to be perfect then. Maybe we just want them to look like us. Think about that. Think about that. Maybe I just want you to look more like me, and then I can accept you a little easier. Isn't that what we're doing? Isn't that what's going on? It's nonsense. Think about that. When I say, you need to look more like me so I can accept you easier, I'm rising myself up. I'm lifting myself up. Remind me again, why did, why did Satan fall from heaven? Try to rise himself up, right? Don't be guilty of that, church. Don't be guilty of that. Saturday, I was sitting in that chair right there where Brother Winston's at. I came in here, I was going to come to the front and pray when I was trying to get my stuff all together, my, my last stuff together, and, and I set, it got, the Spirit quickened me to sit in that chair, and as I was sitting there, I was praying, and he said that, you know, this is just a symbolic of the last seat before you head out the door. It's the, closest, the person who's closest to the door is Brother Winston right now. And I'm not speaking this about Brother Winston. This is what the Spirit showed me. So you may be about to give up. There's probably some people like this in every church. We've seen a lot of people come and a lot of people go. And you may be about to give up. You may be about to give in to that lust. You may be about to give in to that sin. You may be about to walk out the door. This is the last time you're ever, you're ever going to come here. Somebody might be there today. I believe somebody is there today for the Spirit to give this to me. You have a choice to make today. Today. If that's you, make this decision today. Will you give in to God's Word? Will you allow God to change you through His Word? Or will you walk out? And that's it. Separation from God forever. Is that you today? And then he asked me to remind you of this too. The Spirit quick would be this. God loves you. If that's you today, if it's not you today, God loves you. God loves each and every one of you. Not just because you're perfect. Not just because you're good. I don't care how messed up you are. Jesus died on the cross before you could ever have been saved. He died on the cross for you while you were living in sin. Think about all the things he went through for you. God loves you. God wants to get this right today. He wants to get this right today. If that's you today, or even if it's not you that's about to fall out or about to give in to sin, about to give in to temptation, if that is you, would you please come to the altar now? Right now, get up out of your seat, come to the altar and pray. Even if it's not you, and you haven't been, you haven't been given all to God, you haven't been doing what you're supposed to do, with God. You haven't been taking his word and applying it to your life and allowing it to change you. If that's you, would you come to the altar today? Come to the altar today. That should, that should include almost everybody. Almost everybody, if we'd be honest. If the Spirit's quicken you, come to the altar and pray. Come to the altar. Let's get this right. You need to make a decision today. Today. There may not be another day. There may not be another service. 
you're not guaranteed another minute of breathing God's air. You're not. Make this decision today. Maybe you're here and you don't know God as your personal Savior. Can I get a red dot at this time? Maybe you're here and you don't know God as your personal Savior. Could you come to the altar today? Let's get it right. Let's get it right today. If that's you and you don't know God, maybe it's been a while since you've talked to Him. Maybe you need to renew your relationship with Him. I'd like to pray with you today if we could. Could I get everybody just to repeat after me? Father, please forgive me. I'm a sinner. I know that I haven't been putting enough into our relationship. Please forgive me. Please draw me near to you. Please live in my heart. Lead me and guide me the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. If you said that prayer today, I believe that I, I know biblically that you're saved. And I, I, I have Bibles in my office. If you don't have one, if you have a Bible, get into your Bible and read that thing. Learn what God's Word says. A great place to start if you haven't read the Bible before. So many new Christians make a mistake and they go to the front of the book. And they start trying to read through the Old Testament. And they get bogged down in their numbers and, and, and with the law and everything. And, and then they put it down and they stop. I advise everybody to go to the New Testament. Go to the book of John. John was a fisherman. John's real plainly spoken. He'll tell you the story about Jesus Christ. And read that book of John first. Then start at the beginning of the New Testament and read Matthew, Mark, and Luke and carry on to the New Testament. Then go back and read the Old Testament. The Old Testament's good, but you've got to have a little groundwork laid first. Right? You've got to understand what, what your covenant is. The Old Testament is the covenant of the, it's the deal that they had back in that day. Yeah. The New Testament is the deal that we live under. Yeah. And since Jesus came and died for my sins, I don't have to kill a goat anymore. I don't have to sacrifice animals anymore. I don't have to take my sacrifice to the priest. Now it says I can come boldly to the throne room of God. Do you know that you can go to Jesus and talk to him anytime you want to? You don't have to come to church. You can talk to him in the shower, in your car, driving down the road, in your bed, on your job. He's a good God and he loves us. Can we go ahead and close in prayer today? If you're at the altar, please don't hurry. You can stay all day if you need to. Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We love you, Father. We just praise your name, Daddy. I pray that you would draw this church near to you, Lord. I pray that you would cause us to take your word, Daddy, and apply it to our life, Lord, that it would cause us to change, Father God. In Jesus' name, I pray these things, Father. Lord, I pray that you would keep us safe, Daddy. Bring us back here on Wednesday with a guest, Father God. Lord, I pray that you would use this church to step out and speak to people on your behalf. Lord, the ones that you've already prepared, Lord, the door is open, Father God. Lord, I pray that you would give us the words to speak to these people. Lord, that we would see souls saved in our families, Lord, on our jobs, Lord, in our schools, Daddy. Wherever we go, Father, we thank you for this, Father, and we praise you, Dad. In Jesus' name we pray these things, Father. Amen.